Hi everyone, welcome to a new episode of Opera After Dark. Uh, what sound is the fox make? Ding 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 Bam! Well done. Hey, crew, well done. Thank you. So, Naomi, you're in charge today. Okay. So, what are we talking about? So we are talking about an opera that has a lot of animals in it. Ooh, like a fox? Yes. It is an opera, like a fox. It is an opera called The Cunning Little Vixen. Mm. Ooh, a vixen is a fox. A vixen is a fox. By and our good buddy Laosh. Yes, it is by Laosh Janacek. Our favorite composer. Yes. Yes. If you have never listened to our episode on Janacek, definitely go back to the early days of Opera After Dark. Episode it's number like two. Episode... Oh, it's number two? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I'll never forget. It's days. one of my favorites. <laughs> also, you know, another favorite It's uh, that I recommend to people when they hear about the podcast, but maybe they're not opera fans. I certainly say mm-hmm. you need to listen to the Mozart scatology episode because I don't care who you are. Yeah. It is amazing. It is a classic. A classic in our repertoire, in our canon. <laughs> yes. But we're not talking about Mozart today or poop. We're talking about Janacek and foxes. All right. So the reason I suggested we talk about this opera is not only because it's a pretty great opera and people seem to really love it whenever it's performed. But I know that there's a lot of animals in it. And in my mind, I was like, Elspeth loves animals. I she do. loves animals more than she loves people. Definitely. She'll love talking about this one. <laughs> yes. But then I read the plot synopsis and I was like, oh, no, <laughs> not great things happen to the animals. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Do, does Do they die? Does an animal die in this? An animal does die in this opera. Okay, well, but I'm out. You guys have fun. <laughs> I don't want to be a part of this. Is it, is it just the not, one animal? It's just one. Kyle. <laughs> and the whole point of this opera or like one of the big, I guess, themes of it was people talk about Janacek being very interested in writing a work that tells the story of like a cycle of life or like life cycles um and it's not an intentional death per se it is an accident so oh that's worse it's not well i someone it wasn't like maliciously murdering Mm. the animal i love none of this but let's let's do it come on okay start sooner we start i'm just saying i'm just saying disclaimer trigger warning not (laughs) not all the animals survive because it's an opera and people die in operas and if you take a whole opera and write it about animals then i feel like it's inevitable wait i'm looking at your notes um mm-hmm. is there a role for a child singer in this <laughs> that's another another reason why i was like strike two Elspeth is gonna hate this it's not just one child singer there's like a giant cast of children strike two. Oh gosh <laughs> You're trapped now. You can't escape. I know. Okay. okay. <laughs> the door is locked. So this is... Yeah, it's not... It's a Janacek opera in Czech, I'm assuming. 
written in Czech, he wrote it towards the end of his life. So by this time, he was already obsessed for many years with Camilla Stoslova. Is the role of the vixen based on Camilla Stoslova? I didn't really find anything directly suggesting that. But probably. But probably there's influence of her mm-hmm. in here. And he actually based it, the story is based on like a comic strip, essentially, that was published in like a serial style in a local newspaper or magazine. And it was something that he would have been familiar with for quite some time. And then once the whole story had been published, he became very interested in turning it into an opera. Mm. But because it was published in this kind of serial manner, it was already broken up into pretty small chunks of scenes or like vignettes of dramatic events. And so apparently the opera follows how the original serialization of the story was published. Oh, that's kind of cool. And yeah, and so it's like the only opera I know of that is based on a comic strip, essentially, um, from the newspaper. That's the only, I can't think of another one. I can't think of another one. (laughs) When Um, was it written? It was written, or he began working on it in 1922, and um, it wasn't performed until... Uh, 1923, 1924, like around that time. And it was premiered, it had its world premiere in Brno, which is where Janufa had its world premiere many, many years earlier. And then it went on to be performed in Prague and went on to Germany and it kind of like traveled around from there. And it was so loved by Janacek. He was so into what he accomplished with this work that he actually requested that the last scene be performed at his funeral. And so oh. it is the music that was performed at his funeral in 1928. Oh, Did wow. other people like the opera? People have generally liked this opera since the get-go. Mm-hmm. So it's been pretty pretty popular. Um, when it went to Germany, they whoever produced it in Germany when it first traveled there, they made some changes that people didn't really like very much or couldn't get behind. So it had a bit of a harder time kind of like gaining traction in the German countries. Um, But then it was reproduced by the Komische Oper in Berlin in 1956, kind of remounted after a slightly cool reception at its premiere there. And I think it went to Germany in... 1927 um Mm -hmm. and so several decades later it's revived at the commissure opera and that particular production was really well received and so it kind of gained a new place in the german repertoire from that point onward kyle did you have a question i think that it gets more performances than yanufa or maybe it has i just i feel like when you talk about janacek people more often recognize Cunning Little Vixen than they do Yanufa. Or maybe that's just poor anecdotal evidence on in my own experience. Well, I think the story is slightly more friendly. Like, it's nowhere near as dark and tragic as Yanufa or mm-hmm. Katya Kabanova. Mm-hmm. So because of that, I think it's it's seen as, like, an easier story to 
to be done for a wide audience mm-hmm. and it's not so heavy of a topic. And also the cast is actually massive. And so I think it's like an opportunity to involve many people in a production. Right. I do know. I think schools do it. A lot. A lot. Um, and also I think that it's one of those operas where it's um, – sort of accepted for it to be done in a different language Mm. because I've never heard of a a school do it in Czech. I think Yale might have done it in Czech, but um, I think a lot of times it's done in an English translation. That's interesting. You're right. There's so many opportunities for people to have roles that it's a good thing for schools to do so everyone gets stage experience and all that good stuff. Yeah. And it's also, I think, because the concept of it is so strange where like there are some human characters in it, but like the title character is an animal mm-hmm. and many characters, both animals and humans in the story are singing roles and they actually like interact with each other it's already a little bit far-fetched and so there's a lot of leeway for interesting productions to figure out like how are you going to personify a fox Mm -hmm. or a vixen as a singer and how do you do that convincingly or in a way that audiences can buy into so there's a lots of weird wonderful and wacky productions of it out there so what is this about so this this animal death opera <laughs> it's the cycle it's the circle of life opera mm-hmm. oh, it's, the, it's the lion king it's the circle of life <laughs> that's all we Not can quite. sing otherwise we'll be copyright infringing oh, you're right yep that's it <laughs> yes so this takes place this opera the main character is this female fox, a vixen, Mm -hmm. and it takes place in a forest near Brno. Um, It's in, the first scene is in a sunny uh, wooded glen. Mm. And so it's very kind of idyllic when the whole thing opens. There is an orchestral interlude and I think it would be kind of fun to stage this because the animals that appear in the interlude have strong personalities. So um, there are notes that during the orchestral interlude, there's a badger who's supposed to like come out of his den and he like sits down and starts smoking a pipe. There's uh, dragonflies that fly around. Mm -hmm. There is um, a forester who approaches human and he like lies down in the grass to take a nap and then while he's napping more animals come out there's crickets there's grasshoppers um and there's like this waltz that's scored for them and apparently there is a quote-unquote tipsy mosquito (laughs) so somehow the mosquito got a little inebriated and obviously he drank the blood of somebody who was drunk and then there you go there Mm -hmm. you go okay come on people science And then um, there's a frog that tries to catch the mosquito, but then the frog gets distracted because out of the woods comes a young, pretty little vixen. And um, they're kind of all the animals are playing around. And then in the process, the forester gets woken up from his slumber, his nap. And the forester, when he wakes up, he sees the little pretty vixen and he decides that he wants to take her home for his children to be a pet for his children okay first off time out people (laughs) people all over the world do this wild animals are not domestic pets correct don't do this the end all these people that have like tigers in their homes what the fuck is wrong with you that's it. Go on. Mm-hmm. I don't know anyone with a tiger in their home, I but I know, it on Instagram. I know it exists. I know it exists. People are fucking idiots. I know it exists. 
feel like the one don't do it maybe this is an arizona thing but the the one that you hear about a lot is people have like exotic snakes because i think it's gonna be a cool idea but then it doesn't work out well with the snakes so then they decide to just like release it in the desert or in a field what and then you have these rampant like exotic snake populations that start to form and kill off other species or whatever else it's yeah it's people don't do this it's pretty much if if it doesn't belong in your backyard then don't but it's not a domesticated animal don't bring it into your home (laughs) yeah period 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 my aunt lived in los angeles for a long time and she told me that there was this craze in beverly hills where like a lot of really famous wealthy people were like illegally importing wild wolves and trying to domesticate them as pet dogs i hate everyone i heard about this yeah and she was like it was just like the stupidest thing like that people were doing and it was just so dangerous because wolves are not supposed to be domesticated they're wild animals Mm -hmm. anyhow just watch game of um, thrones you know Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't with a pet wolf. Sometimes it doesn't. And so the forester's a dick moving on. <laughs> right. He takes the vixen home for to be a pet for his children. Um, and the dragonflies are so upset about this that the whole act or the whole scene ends with them flying around like in search of the vixen. It's like a Finding Nemo moment, but in opera where they, they go on a hunt for the vixen. Jesus. So are a lot of yeah. these roles for dancers? Like when you talked about the opening. Yes. Okay. Dance is a big part of this. And I think this is another reason why people really like this opera because it kind of is uh, an interesting mix of dance and pantomime and singing and acting. Yeah, it sounds great. Yeah. So we go to scene two. Scene two. We're now at the Forester's house. um, And it's shortly after he's brought the vixen back to try and domesticate her. And the vixen starts having this conversation with Lapik, the dog. (laughs) And she's basically talking about how she's never been in love. And the dog's like, I've never been in love either. Did I fall in love? Well, apparently (laughs) the dog takes this discussion as like, maybe he can like make the moves on the vixen. And the vixen's like, dude, what are you doing? (laughs) Like knocks him over there are so many things that i want to say but go on (laughs) okay um and then uh the forester's children run out and they start like attempting to play with the vixen but really they're just like tormenting her because she's not interested in being domesticated and um and she she gets violent she attacks and um basically starts like wrestling to get out of her restraints and she ends up uh attempting to escape but the forester catches her like right before she's able to escape i really hate this and then so that scene ends with like night comes and the vixen has this dream that she's not really an animal that she's actual an actual human and that she's a girl um and then the dawn comes up and all the animals start stirring and apparently there's this like beautiful theme for the morning, this musical theme. And the dog and the rooster start chit-chatting with the vixen and they're like you know things would just go much easier for you if you just like rolled with it like just like 
know, <laughs> relax like, into this captivity thing. Go with the program. Right. And then um, there's hens that are like milling about all over the place and they're being very industrious, laying eggs as much as they can. And the vixen is like, you're all brainwashed, like all this slavish egg laying for this rooster. Oh. And um, it's like a commentary on society or something. A lot of this is like layers mm. of, of meaning. And then she basically like is so disgusted with him that she feigns the vixen like feigns suicide and so she like plays dead and then the rooster is like "Ooh, what just happened to her and he like tiptoes over and he's curious and the vixen like suddenly wakes up and just kills him she's the fox in the hen house yes right is that the animal death um, that rooster seems like he was fucking asking for it. He was. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then, so, of course, there's a big commotion that follows this. And the forester comes out. And um, in all of the chaos, the vixen ends up biting through her leash and escapes. Good nice. for her. And you know yes. what, forester? You brought this shit on your goddamn self. <laughs> and the rooster. The rooster's death is on your hands. Yeah. Definitely. Forester. Yeah. All right. Act two. Cut-in. <laughs> we are back in the woods because the vixen has escaped. Mm-hmm. And the vixen uh, f- comes into contact with the badger. Do they fall in love? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Know, I love inter-animal relationships. I didn't know this about you, but I'm sensing that. So, Like on Instagram, <laughs> when you see like dogs and ducks that become best friends. Or like in... I know you don't like zoos, but in the zoo, when they, like, give a certain animal, like, a friend, and they become besties and inseparable, and it makes their dreary life so much better because they have each other. You know why their life is dreary? I know, because they're in captivity. <laughs> because they're in prison. I know. I know. I have very strong feelings about this. I know that zoos are wonderful. I have just very, very strong feelings about this. No, I mean, like, different species unlikely animal friendships oh i love uh-huh. an unlikely animal friendship that is adorable but do they fall in love the badger and the fox uh, no it's kind of the opposite um oh, no, they hate each Ooh. other they hate each other and the, the vixen basically they get into a fight and um the badger flees and the vixen's like this home is mine now and like she takes nice. over his badger house vixen yeah it's not your house <laughs> i know <laughs> not um, not very becoming of the vixen yeah. She's right. cunning. She is cunning. Hey. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So then what happens? Then next scene, we are back with the forester. He's playing cards with the local schoolmaster and the local priest. Apparently they have like a weekly game. And mm. um the forester is teasing and making fun of the schoolmaster because he's heard rumors about his impending marriage. Um and about this woman that the schoolmaster apparently loves but lost, Veronica. Sorry, not the schoolmaster's impending marriage, but the woman that he's in love with, Veronica, is getting married to another man. Ooh. And so he's kind of like oh. making fun of his friend. Veronica, the forester is yeah. an asshole. <laughs> yeah. um, what a jerk. And then the schoolmaster is like, yeah, well, you're making fun of me for losing Veronica? Like, you can't even keep a simple fox or a simple vixen under control oh she's not a simple vixen though she's cunning she's cunning yes 
And then you hear the rooster crow and the schoolmaster. Wait, I thought the rooster was dead. It's a different rooster. Different rooster. <laughs> There's a lot of them, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> a never-ending supply. Never-ending supply of roosters. Um, the schoolmaster and the priest leave and then the forester's left alone. And he starts like contemplating about uh, the schoolmaster's like obsession with Veronica and... Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's like, that's right. My vixen did escape. I mean, I'm going to go find her in the forest and get her back. Okay. So is there just like one vixen in the woods? I guess so. One fox. He's like, one cunning vixen. One fox. Yeah. Does this dude, is he the one that dies? Does he die? Just wait. No, an an animal dies. Well, does he die too? Maybe. We'll see. I really (laughs) hope he does. Go on. Okay. So we're back in the forest and... The schoolmaster is walking through the forest, very drunkenly making his way home. Um, He's not getting on so well because he's so inebriated. And the vixen kind of watches him from afar. Mm -hmm. And she's hiding behind a bunch of flowers watching him. And the schoolmaster, like, stumbles towards um, the flowers because the schoolmaster mistakes the flowers for a woman and he like starts declaring his love for the woman and he attempts to embrace the flowers and then he in doing so he like stumbles and falls over the fence and the vixen like escapes and runs away and then then in her like running away she comes across the priest and uh, he remembers uh, the priest as he's walking remembers bitterly when a young girl deceived him when he was a boy and when he was i guess like rejected or jilted and so the priest is reminiscing about this and then you hear the forester coming searching for the vixen she runs off and the schoolmaster and the priest like kind of bump into each other and they hear two shots ring out and they decide to like make their way home and so uh, the forester comes out of the trees and he's like i swear i saw the vixen and he's looking around for her and he like still can't let it go but he's convinced that the vixen is nearby and that's the end of that scene where did the shots come from the distance the distance they just hear them Uh, in the distance yeah next scene so this Uh, is still an act two still an act two yeah of three yes okay so this scene opens with this gentle uh, offstage chorus that's apparently really beautiful. And the vixen uh, comes on stage and she bumps into a young handsome fox. Ayo. Ayo. So the fox approaches her and they start up a conversation. And the vixen's like, look at my sweet home that I stole from this badger. And, you know, I was captured once by the forester and I escaped. And so she kind of is like boasting and trying to impress him a little. And the fox is like, who, you are a very attractive vixen. And <laughs> so he cunning. starts like getting into it. And um, he's like, you know what? Like, let's have a date. I'm going, I'm going to get us some dinner. So he goes off and he brings back some dinner for them. They share a meal together and the fox starts like really coming on to her. And at first the vixen is like, oh, no, 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 this is, like, a little bit too much. And then the fox passionately declares his love, and apparently there's very sensuous music, and Ooh. the two of them go into the the 
the vixen's lair or her the badger home that she stole from the badger Mm. and uh there is extremely sensuous music as they go in and you just hear her cry i want Whoa. We should listen to that. And doll, listen to this <laughs> this sensuous animal lovemaking. Yes. Then uh, some time has passed and the vixen comes out of the badger's home and she's kind of distraught and the fox comes out and he's like, what's wrong? And she whispers something in his ear and then he's like, we must marry at once. (gasps) She's fucking pregnant. (laughs) Like we said earlier, (laughs) one time's all it takes. Apparently, (laughs) even for foxes. the one time yes and then the offstage chorus can be heard again they're kind of like background music and um they kind of accelerate or build in excitement to this like big dance that closes the act Okay, so is the offstage chorus sort of like the forest? I think so. They they tend to fill that dramatic and mm-hmm. kind of like scene painting function. Cool. So, Act Three. Act Three. We're in the forest. Uh, it opens with a minor melody, and we hear almost like a folk song like uh, melody floating around. This whole opera actually incorporates a lot of folk song, so that's like Janacek's thing. Jam, mm-hmm. right? Yes, that's but apparently it's Janacek-y. even yeah, it's even mm-hmm. more more folk songy than Yanufa. <laughs> he really turns it on. He does. Yes, yes, he does it for the animals. So there's a folk song happening, and then we meet a character named Harasta who is singing this folk song and Harasta notices that there's a dead rabbit along the path and as he's checking out this this dead animal the forester comes along and then he tells the forester about his life and his like uh, he's going to marry Tirinka and so there's a lot about like rejected love and bitter love that's kind of woven into this Mm -hmm. anyway so the forester looks at harasta and he looks at the dead animal and he's like you know you shouldn't be poaching here and harasta's like i don't know what you're talking about i just found this animal here and so the forester inspects it and he's like "Ooh, i see a fox trail i bet this is the vixen oh my god dude let it go yeah he's obsessed and so then he and harasta decide to like build a trap to try and capture the vixen um and they set the trap and then they leave then right after they set the trap all these and they leave all these little fox cubs come running out Mm. and they're running around and they sing their own folk song 
And then the vixen and the fox come and immediately they recognize the trap. And so they're like, children, be careful. There's a trap here. And so, um, you know, none of the children, their fox children get hurt. And the vixen and the fox have this moment where they're like, look at our wonderful family. Look at what we made. Oh, no. And they're oh, like, no. And they're like, let's do that again. It's going to be so exciting when we can make more babies. Oh, don't worry, Dang. nothing bad happens in that in that scene. They get very excited about the idea <laughs> of making scene. more babies. Yes. And then Harasta comes back down the path and he's like carrying a bunch of chicken that he's like e- eating for lunch and the <laughs> like fox <laughs> Well, it says <laughs> Yeah, no other explanation. Go on. Right. Um he's carrying a bucket of chicken. Go on. Well, <laughs> he's got his bucket of kfc Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and walking along the path and the fox and the vixen are like "Ooh, that would make a lot of meals for our giant family we should basically steal this chicken and Mm -hmm. so the vixen goes into the path and she lies down and plays dead or like feigns injury and harasta's like walking along and then all of a sudden he sees the vixen and he's like oh oh my goodness and he comes closer and he comes closer and as he like reaches for his gun to finish off the vixen the vixen like jumps up and uh knocks harasta over she actually gives him a bloody nose and then her family like grabs all the chicken and they run away and (laughs) and devour and they start devouring it but then get that chicken Yes, but then in the process, um, Harasta is just, like, freaking out, and he starts, like, shooting his gun wildly, and all of the fox cubs scatter, and the daddy fox scatters, but um, the vixen gets accidentally shot in his, like, chaotic scrambling, and so the scene ends with her uh, lying, dying, accidentally shot by Harasta in his chaos. Is it accidentally shot? Like, did he accidentally fire his gun or he just was shooting all around and hit her? He f- he's just shooting all around. Like, he, he was just, like, going crazy, reacting. Not an accident. Go I on. I know. I think he was trying to kill a fox or multiple. I Go do. on. I mean, I, I... They stole his chicken and he was like... Finish oh, this I'm horror show. <laughs> okay. So the prelude of the next scene, we move into the next scene. It's very um, somber. Somber. It's nostalgic. It's expressive, but it's also kind of sweet sounding. Some time has passed and the forester and the schoolmaster are at an inn. And again, the forester is teasing the schoolmaster about falling over the fence when he was like mistaking the sunflowers for the love of his life. Mm-hmm. And um, but then this, the forester becomes really sympathetic because he like sees his friend mourning the fact that the love of his life is going to marry somebody else. Um, and so the priest 
has moved on to a new parish and he writes them a letter about how lonely he is and the forester complains that they're all getting old like his dog Lapic and uh, he grieves about this and then there's like transition music that moves us into the next scene and this is as the forester is walking home and he sees a patch of mushrooms and he starts reminiscing about how apparently on his honeymoon with his wife he picked mushrooms and it was such a happy time and he apparently then contemplates this whole thing and wonders like is this moment real or is he dreaming and people write that it's like one of the most beautiful moments in the opera it's like incredibly uh lyrical and it's like Janacek at his very best and well shoot we should listen to like a little bit of it yeah we'll listen to a little bit of it this is that moment as the forester is expressing this love that he experienced in his younger years as he's walking through this forest and feels like he's just filled with the joy of nature lulls him to sleep and he takes he lies down to take a nap so we're starting to kind of tie things back to how the opera opened um he falls asleep and all the animals from that opening scene uh return and the forester starts dreaming and in his dream he sees a young vixen cub that looks exactly like the vixen he was obsessed with um, and kept trying to capture. And as he reaches out to try and touch or capture this vixen cub, it ends up that it's not actually a vixen, but it's a frog. And he's so he's holding the frog in his hand and the frog looks exactly like one of the frogs in the opening scene. And um, the frog explains to him that I'm not the frog you saw all that time ago the last time you were like lying in the forest napping um i'm the grandson of that frog and then he just kind of silently falls asleep again and in a silent reverie the forester lets his gun slip to the ground and that is how the opera ends Hmm, so it is like a circle of life message it is because the the frog in act in act one in that scene i think it's the frog that accidentally lands on his face as all the animals are playing around and wakes up the forester and so Mm -hmm. the frog says to him i'm not that frog that landed on your face like all that time ago i'm the grandson of that frog and i guess that makes the forester realize like his own mortality or the cycle of life the passage of time and the whole opera comes to this like very quiet like understated end. I imagine it's quite beautiful when you have the music and the context of seeing the full production with the dancing. It sounds like when you hear it just spoken, it sounds like a little bit hokey. Mm -hmm. Right. But I bet it's 
wonderfully beautiful when you see it on stage. And this is actually that scene. That's the music that Janacek had played at his funeral. And so I think that people write a little bit about how he wrote this towards the end of his life. He died in 1928 and he wrote this around 1922. And so I think he was like 70 years old when he started composing this. Mm -hmm. And he was very aware of his own kind of aging self. And Mm -hmm. so... Some people write about how this is perhaps Janicek's way of, like, writing something about the passing of time and, like, saying goodbye to life towards the end of his life. So, like, kind of his own catharsis of one kind or another. Mm-hmm. So, apparently, wow. it is very beautiful. Well, we'll listen to some of it so you can decide for yourself if it is as beautiful as people say. But I think, as Kyle said, in the context of a production, the very cyclical nature of the whole opera has its own kind of beauty to it even if it's not like a giant dramatic ending it is a very understated kind of gentle fall of the curtain yeah i actually think we should save it for a play out it seems like the perfect scenario to listen to it as we go out all right i think janacek would want it that way all right before we do that Thank you all so much for listening, as always, to this episode of Opera After Dark. Yes, thank you for listening. And if you just can't get enough Opera After Dark, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can look at our merch store where we have all kinds of great stuff. You can start your holiday shopping early. And uh, you can also check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash opera after dark if you want to support the podcast in another way or write us a great review. Yes, yes, please. Only great reviews, <laughs> mediocre reviews and negative reviews. We're not interested. Thank you. <laughs> but yes, thank you so much. And we'll look forward to having you back next week on Opera After Dark. Until then, I'm Kyle. I'm Naomi. And I'm Elspeth. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.